This podcast was made with Descript. Descript is a groundbreaking new media tool that allows creators to edit audio and video like a text document and create a realistic clone of their own voice for seamless edits. Please check out our Patreon at Asian Hustle Network. We want Asians to continue being meaningful and give back to the Asian community. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to contribute to our feature, we hope you become a patron. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. We're excited to have you here because you are an inspiration to our community as well. Like every time you ask something in our community or post something, the engagement is through the roof, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I come from your guys' community. I am. I, I was a hustler, you know. Despite everybody says, oh, you're so big. I'm like, no, my, my core is a hustler. I, was, I, I appreciate the DNA. Yeah, we definitely want to dive into that too because we, we know that a lot of people in Asian Hustle Network, they're aspiring entrepreneurs. They're entrepreneurs who have, who have hustles, who also have a full-time job. Yeah. You are... That, that entrepreneur, you had a full-time job and you made your t- transition over to Boba Guys. Mm. I hear all about it, man. How, what was the story like? What, what, what were you working as before and what gave you the idea and inspiration to start Boba Guys? Yeah, and I know that, we know that you were working with, with Ben, who is the other co-founder of Boba Guys. And we want to learn more about, you know, how you met Ben and like what, what the chemistry with Ben was like and mm-hmm. how you decided, you know, I want to start working with this guy or like, you know, what made your friendship so raw and real with Ben? Cool. Well, you know, I don't even know where to start because this, this is a great question. I, we haven't even, even the book that we had just, just came out. We weren't even telling our origin story. So mm-hmm. some of the stuff I say, I don't think it's ever really been said because yeah. this is pretty deep. Let me, let me think about, uh, you could tell we did not rehearse any of these questions. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I would say the, the really beginning of it, I would say founder dating. Actually, I'm going to start with just doing a side hustle. So yeah. side hustle, I'm sure you guys know, look at AHN, right? It's, it's a passion project. Usually you're like, Hey, I'm gonna try this small thing. Start a, you know, a group that you want to cultivate a community in your case. Our case was let's start a little pop-up and we let's serve 200 drinks and uh, see how, how it does. And it was really just drinks we wanted to drink because m- most people know our backgrounds is, is really corporate. I went to, you know, traditional, I went to business school. I was a brand manager. I was on a track to be like um, a CMO at big companies. I was at Clorox, Target, Walmart. So when you, I was at corporate, corporate companies. Mm-hmm. And a brand manager, if you know, is, is just very technical, just very like leader run the business unit. Mm-hmm. So... I never even thought about doing a side hustle, but I do think those of us like you guys and anybody, and I see almost every one of the posts that come through on AHN, mm-hmm. what I relate to, especially the ones that, that the peak that stick out to me are the people who just have overflowing passion. They just, they just know, and it's like a craft. Mm-hmm. And for me, I do believe that society with all the stuff that's been going on, we lost the ability to create craft. So my two crafts are, I'm just a business nerd. You guys know this because you guys know me personally. Those who know my my personal profile, they kind of know that I'm really into business books. I watch business leadership things like probably more than almost anybody I know. And it's just because I think of it as like, I just want to be a leader and I want to be a better leader because I've always been in like student government and in, in when I was in high school and then in college, I was in student government and I was in a school paper. And then I've always, I managed people when I was really young in my career. So to me, it was part of my DNA. I don't think I was good at it, but I wanted to constantly get better. And then by now, yeah, 400 employees, um, even though they're, a lot of them are gone now, but like in general, up to 400 employees, mm-hmm. I had really just tried to figure out, well, what, how do you manage 400 employees? Cause I've only managed before that, like 10, 15. Mm-hmm. So there's a very big difference in my mind of the stages, but all of that has to do with the dedication to craft. And I think it's where Ben and I are really, um, that's why we're still good friends. It's just that we just care about the craft of something in our case, again, it's business and maybe there's been, um, maybe uh, he's working. Only one of us has to be on the floor at all times. Um, <laughs> is uh, we are trying to figure out what is 
the best way to optimize what we have. And what we also love is culture. So secondly, how did I find Ben? Um, it's like founder dating. I know I was, people know I'm married. I've been married since I was young. I was 25 when I got married and I'm 37. Wow. And it's rare that you find one soulmate, you know, if you believe in that. I found two. <laughs> so, um, ben is like my true compliment. And actually, he and my wife get along really well because they're very similar. And, um, you know, they don't have a, as big of a personality, but they're very, very low ego, very, very humble, but also very intelligent. They have re they're really deep. So yes. I generally vibe with anybody. And you guys are actually very similar, by the way. You, don't got, you guys don't get enough credit. When I hang out with you guys, you guys are incredibly, um, just by the questions you started with, you guys are incredibly deep and pensive which I think makes it easier to then hone a craft because right. there's a lot of self-reflection when you, you start a craft. Right. So it's kind of like, sorry, my two minute answer on, on that whole question. Yeah, we, we like it a lot. Deeper if you want, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we absolutely like that because it's very valuable for people to hear this too. Because most people would think that, hey, I, I had to, to go out in there and find this co-founder that, that worked. I just have to find someone that wants to work with me, you know, and you can pick up whoever wants to do it with them. And that doesn't exactly work that way. You know, you have to yeah. have chemistry, you have to have the same vision and then you have to have the same similar values and execution. Mm -hmm. Because without that, you're going to have a lot of problems when problems arise. You're like, mm -hmm. okay, I, one person might be more aggressive to solve this. One, one yeah. might be more passive to solve this. You need you guys to be on the same page because this is where conflict, when in conflict happens. You know, you yeah. might start arguing now nothing ever gets done. And I like how you mentioned that, hey, you have to learn how you, you have to learn how to take care of your employees too. It's very important. Mm -hmm. you know, in any industry that you work on, employees are your number one, your number mm -hmm. one priority. Yep. And you, you said that up front. That's one of the first things you said. I got to take care of my employees. I got to manage them correctly. Mm -hmm. I got to go from 15 to 400, you know? Mm -hmm. The fact that you haven't lost any quality going from 15 to 400, it says a lot about your own personal character, but yeah. you going back and honing your own crap. You know, so that's pretty amazing, Andrew. Yeah. Thanks, man. I feel you found my flame. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I am Asian, so I always like to try to deflect. Thank you. Yeah. I just, um, you guys are very similar, right? You guys have a great dynamic. Like I know you guys are very different personalities yourself, and I think any good organization, anything well run, you need, yeah. you need to kind of have a pretty good diverse skill set and personalities. Yeah. 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 And I love that you and Ben, you know, you two always put your employees first, you know, and I think that's the beauty behind Boba Guys is that you really cultivate that environment where your employees need to be prioritized. And that's how that's what makes your business so successful, mm -hmm. you know, for your employees to, you know, I know that you had to let go of all of your employees recently. Um, and I'm sure that was a very, you know, heartbreaking moment for both you and Ben. Um, you know, due to COVID-19, a lot of other small businesses are dealing with the same thing. I think they mentioned that over 4 million small businesses are at risk of closing. So can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like and, you know, what you said to your employees and how that made you feel um, and, you know, what their, their experience, how, what was their feedback and how did they take it? Yeah. Yeah, those, that's great. Um, yeah, you know, this is going to be weird. And I, I especially you as a community, I know a lot of people in yours. And so I'll be really candid. Like the biggest thing that was crossing my mind, especially I would phase it out into like pre laying off and then post laying off is that nobody imagines laying off that many people. And this is not me. I'm talking to other founders and other CEOs all the time. None of us were ready to lay off that many people because most of the time if you're small business, it's like family It is like, you know, I know almost every single person's um, Every single person that's employed. There were some of the newbies I didn't really get to know but for the most part I knew like 350 out of 400 like I knew them personally I know what school they went to or if they went to a, a graduated school like I knew a lot of their families because we had built it over the years and so when you lay them all off, you feel responsible because many people, especially people on my corporate side, mm -hmm. they trusted me with their careers. And they, because sadly of my business persona, I was known to be a good savvy business person. But even a savvy business person where they felt comfortable, mm -hmm. I felt like I let them down. And I, you know, I'm sure you've heard, you know, I don't want to make it about us, but mm -hmm. everybody who let people go people were like emotional and crying. If you weren't, I think you were a robot. 
I, we were crying a lot and Ben doesn't, Ben's more stoic than me. And he, he was really emotional because, and I didn't even know how emotional he would get. And then when we were doing some of these uh, zoom calls and Google hangouts, we had to lay some people, the corporate people over zoom because we were under quarantine at the time. Right. And it was just, it, it just, it just broke people. And I think it broke us, it broke everyone. And I think in that way, it goes to what you're saying is like, what makes somebody who they are for us, fortunately, and especially if you're an AHN, if you are the type that you started your business out of passion, out of taking care of people, and it just happened to blow up the way we did, you guys, AHN happened to blow up. Like I think at the core of it is the fact that you did it for the right reasons. So you got to spend anybody just spends a lot of their life staying grounded. And I, some of you guys know, I'm a huge fan of the rock. Um, and one thing he talks about, and his whole production company is called Seven Bucks Production. And the people that I see, whether you're, in this case, a celebrity, but it's just, I'm saying somebody that everybody knows, um, or even other people that have made it on whatever scale, not being as big as The Rock, or not even being as big as Boba Guys or anything, even like one store to 10 stores, one store to five stores, mm -hmm. um, or a Facebook group or a community that's 10 people and now it's 1,000 people, you know? I think in any of those situations, you have to be, I wouldn't say people overuse the word humble, but like you have to kind of keep yourself grounded and centered. Yeah. You think that is the only way you're going to scale. I always tell, you know, I don't want to get into my professorial mode, which you guys know sometimes comes out is, but like one of the things I really tell my team is, you know, the rate of growth of your influence is going to grow. It's going to, it's going to go up, but you want the rate of growth of your character to grow faster than the rate of growth of your influence. You want the, the hills to be steeper. Right. And so you have to double down on character more than you, you, you put down on influence. Mm -hmm. Anybody in AHN, most people are hustlers and they have that mentality that they're gonna grind. So their trajectory is generally positive growth. Mm -hmm. But if they don't work on their character faster, they're doomed. And I think that happens a lot. Um, it's why people lose it all. And that's comes to the second part, which is post COVID when I laid people off, mm -hmm. I mean, we're in COVID, but post the layoffs, I had to really reconcile and like how much of my identity was my company because our company is called Boba guys. People right. knew me as the Boba guy. Yes. So they were, my identity was almost in my name yeah. and it was weird to then possibly to think possibly that we would lose our identity right mm -hmm. so that that was weird and i thought about it for a week especially when we didn't get loans oh my gosh that was just like two weeks ago yeah mm -hmm. I, if i didn't get a ppp loan i don't know i think boba guys would have shut down at least more than half of our stores right away like for good like because we, we had so many massive leases like our san ramon store that lease is ten thousand dollars or new york stores um palo alto like like the market inevitably shrink so, yeah, I'm sure we Boba guys wouldn't have went under, under, but we would have, all the work that we did in the last three years, we would have set, been set back. Yeah. So the loans helped um, because I think we're going to be able to get what, some of the loans. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think that's the second part, which is like, how do you wrestle with your identity, especially in this crisis? It's like, how much of yourself is, are you going to lose? And I thought if I lose Boba guys, would I still be okay? Mm -hmm. I actually think, I, I like to say, I think I would. I think um, I have a little bit of my identity outside of Boba Guys, like small business or public service or Asian American advocacy that wow. I know if I lose one part of it, I don't feel like all my eggs are in one basket. And that's not who, all who I am. And that's why I encourage you guys. You guys have jobs. You know, Ryan, you're great. Uh, Ryan, you're great in real estate. When I first met you, <laughs> like you have different parts of your identity. Like having that is actually really healthy, which is why I think side hustles are very healthy. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's 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 really, it's really Sorry, that's a truth bomb. <laughs> I know. I mean, that, that's really amazing that, that you said all that too. Because I think it's right, man. I think that your your character has grown bigger than your situation. I mean, your your, your you know your trajectory just because it goes a long way. Because it it because when you start your business and when you do anything, your personality is imprinted everywhere, you know. And if you're not that kind of if you're not growing fast enough where you can see problems more holistically, you can't solve it. 
You know, you can't pinpoint it. You get frustrated easily. You stop. You don't push forward. In the essence, your business can only grow as fast as you can, or and it, it stops where you are. It doesn't grow past you. Never grows past you. It stops where where Andrew is right now. And and you have to constantly push yourself to develop yourself because you can't you can't do anything if your character is not quite there yet. You get you get frustrated at the most insignificant things yeah. uh, <laughs> that you're wasting your energy on, you're wasting your time on that doesn't do you any good, you know? And I, I like the fact that you pointed out that, you know, it's great to have side hustles. A lot of people in Asian Hustle Network have side hustles. Mm-hmm. And we want to trace it back a little bit too. What was the inspiration for Boba Guys? How'd you come up with the name as you're working your corporate job? What was that feeling like when you're like, all right, today's the day, Ben, we're going to start a Boba shop. <laughs> <laughs> Great question, man. It's going to bring me back a little bit to memory lane. Yeah. Okay. I think a lot of it was, I mean, most people know Ben and I met at a company called Timbuktu where they make bags, messenger bags. And yeah. so he was a creative director. I was um, a general manager there. Mm-hmm. So I managed like a business unit and he was uh, directing and designing a lot of the assets for the company. Mm-hmm. And we would always go out to lunch and we thought we were going to do a, an apparel company because we both had kind of like a cut and sew apparel background. Mm-hmm. So we thought maybe that's what we would do. And, but when we were brainstorming, we, were, we love boba. Both Ben and I don't drink a lot of alcohol, almost nothing. I got really red, super Asian flush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I was like, oh, this guy is very similar, you know, like, and we both were like not afraid to say that we don't drink. So even after work and stuff, we'd be like, instead of going to a bar or whatever, we go to like, we just grab boba. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Blue Bottle and Phil's Coffee in the Bay Area were really blown up. Yeah. They only had one or two stores, you know, Blue Bottle had only three stores, I think. Mm-hmm. Phil's had like two. Yeah. Um, we're like, what if people what if we did this for boba what if what if there was a boba and we were getting older right we were in our getting into our 30s we're 28 29 we're like okay we're gonna turn 30 soon (laughs) what if um like we made boba with you know not better ingredients as in like talking down but like you know nobody says coffee a blue bottle makes starbucks look weak nobody says that (laughs) in the early days people would say boba guys like was like crapping on quickly. I'm like, I still love quickly. I love it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, like I, I think it wasn't that, but could it mean that you wanted a better ingredients that was empirically better, that was organic or, you know, sourced better? Yes. And there are a lot of people who care. As I got older, I was going from Starbucks to Blue Bottle myself. So right. I cared about it. And that's where we said, could this happen with Boba? Mm-hmm. And we said, why didn't it happen? And now, oh, and on top of that, um, Asians were not, there was not crazy rich Asians and stuff. And so there was all this stigma. And both he and I grew up Asian American, but in non-Asian American areas. I grew up in New Jersey for the first 11 years of my life and been right. grew up in Texas for the first 17, oh, oh through college. Mm-hmm. So he and I both in, in non-Asian areas of New Jersey and Texas. And mm-hmm. so- we both were like, why don't we, Asian things aren't cool. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and this is a no slight to anybody who tried to make Asian things cool. There's Ben Baller, there's Eddie Huang. Oh, so Eddie was one of them. Eddie Huang was one of them. But like, why aren't there more Eddie Huangs? Yeah. Bauhaus. So we, this is 2010 when we thought of the idea. We were like, maybe, and we we're Googling and, you know, there wasn't like Instagram really popping off. It was just Facebook and Google. And so we were saying no one's done it. There was no like... You know, you could do high-end boba, premium boba, artisanal boba, artisanal bubble tea. Like we did every version. And if you go back and Google search trends, it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been saying it. So if it has existed, people would have called us out on it. So mm-hmm. we, we were like, why don't we invent the category? And then that's when our friends who knew us well were like, well, how do you start it? There's a reason why it didn't exist. Asians won't yeah. pay for nice things. That's what some people said. <laughs> my mom even said that. I swear my mom said, Andrew, why does it have to be organic milk? Uh-huh. Yeah. Because, you know, my mom was one of those people who didn't believe in organics. Right. Yeah. Because she thought it was expensive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mom, you know, it's not just about the, the properties of the milk. It's also maybe the process. And there's, yeah. there's value in that. She goes, milk is milk. You know, very yeah. Asian mom answer. And then to me, I said, well, you know, I was trained as a marketer and I went to grad school um, for marketing and I was in brand manager before that. 
And so I was like, maybe, maybe it's about changing people's perceptions right. both for Boba and possibly for Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. And at the time, the only one that we rewrote this on like a, on like a Google doc, the only company we could think of was Panda Express. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even then people didn't think they were super Asian. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So we were like, why don't we do it based off of this model? So that was 2010, 11. And here we are. It's crazy. Yeah. And then we did the pop-ups and stuff, but the pop-ups were just, that's just executing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the idea of it was just a lot of soul searching and it's why you see Boba guys to this day, all about bridging cultures. Cause right. we didn't have a tagline back then, mm-hmm. but it was always about, uh, I mean, it's crazy. COVID did this, set it back. You know, COVID basically is like, Oh, Asians eat bat suit, you know, like again, Yeah. a decade ago, it was Asians eat dogs, right. Mm-hmm. Or they're, they're really dirty and the places are never kept and they have bad customer service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you notice Boba guys tried to address every single one of those. So every time there was a stereotype, we made our model against it. And in the first five years, I would not to say this, but if people followed us, we did get a lot of hate within the Asian American community because I would say half, half of the comments were about us selling out. Right. But if you knew us and if you know, like, you know, we roll with all these Asian YouTubers and stuff, mm-hmm. we were always of the ilk of the Asian YouTubers because Bill from Wong Fu, whether it's, um, Andrew and David Fung. Yeah. I watched them growing up and I had that in me, but I knew since I was a marketer, you had to repackage it in a way that makes it accessible. And then one day you Trojan horse the culture and then you start opening it up. So as Boba guys got big, we really, really opened up the culture. And now we can almost single-handedly make trends like Korean banana milk or oat milk. So now we know you have to get to a certain size and scale for that. Yeah. That's where it comes back to your DNA. If you, mm-hmm. Ben and I, if those who have known us for 10 years, people tell you, I've always been super into culture and Asian American identity. Um, just because if you read my old blog post on Zanga, I would talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, how come there's aren't Asian CEOs? The reason why I am apparently like very vocal about my public CEO persona mm-hmm. is not because I want to, I happen to be a little louder than Ben, which is why I chose to go public. But it has more to do with the fact that I don't see good Asian role models. Yeah. I had no Asian CEOs that I looked up to, very few, uh-huh. that fit my archetype and persona. And I said, I can't let that happen. And so that's why I'm super into leadership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. I really like that because it really reminds me of like how Brian and I also started AHN. Yeah. And because we saw, you know, a, a lack of like Asian leaders. And it was all because we went to this real estate conference and, you know, all the panelists were non-Asian, you know, and so that I, I feel like we really relate to that side of your story. Mm-hmm. And going back to, you know, the culture of Boba Guys, I know that you and Ben have done a really great job in cultivating the culture, culture of Boba Guys, you know, being able to have people, you know, go to Boba Guys to really connect, right? And the whole Boba Bay thing on the shirts and stuff like that, people love that. You know, I know that you guys really um, are are really honed in on the idea of, you know, allowing the customers to see what goes on in the kitchen and the background. And, you know, when we had the other boba shops before Boba Guys, a lot of people were always complaining about, you know, my boba is very powdery or like, you know, the the taste just isn't there. And people were complaining about that, but we weren't really seeing a lot of boba shops making changes and you know, honing up, like trying to solve that problem. You know, I think what people really appreciate about Boba Guys is like, you can see everything that goes on in the background. You can see everything that goes on in the kitchen. And that's really important in order to build the trust between Boba Guys and the customer. Um, And I know like Brian and I talked to you a lot about the culture and you bridging, you know, your, the interior decor that you put into Boba Guys shops and about, you know, I know you put like a stadium kind of interior decor in one of your Boba Guys mm-hmm. shops. Mm-hmm. How would you say that you are incorporating, you know, that type of culture and how it relates to the Asian culture in your perspective in terms of like the interior decor? I know you put a lot of thought into it, into your shops. Dude, that's a great question. That, I would say high level, we incorporate Asian culture and some Latin culture throughout our company. Um, 
all the way through from our product to our design. So if you look at even, first of all, our design, if you look at kind of like the white and wood architecture, remember back then when we started our first set of stores in 2011, 12, 13, nobody really made that kind of subway tile white look. The only cafe that did it was Blue Bottle. And guess where Blue Bottle got that inspiration? James Freeman built his company off of Japanese coffee shops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was actually a Japanese Scandinavian combination, which is where our architecture and look comes from. Back then, no bubble shops looked like this. So it was because I was trying to get Japanese aesthetic like Muji. Muji wasn't even in America yet. But repetitive kind of um, kind of repetitive blocking and very kind of strong angular features. Like I don't get too much into architecture, but a lot of like my favorite architects in the world um, have. A, I'm a very I'm a lot, Ben and I both like brutalism, so it's a lot of like concrete, but it, it didn't feel warm enough. So we kind of took some of the different styles of architecture we liked and combined them. Mm-hmm. But anyways, most people will say now it's called Japanese Scandinavian. It's very minimalist very clean, but um, uh, organic materials. So that right there will tell you there's a Japanese aesthetic. Yeah. And then the, um, we have um, a, in our manual, we ha- our, one of the first terms we teach every newbie is called amonotanashi. Mm-hmm. And it's a Japanese word for their customer service, their level of customer service in Japan. I'm sure you guys know, it's so crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're Japanese, there is none, there's no culture that is that respectful yeah. and into perfection. It's like German is the close number two, but it's Jap- Japan number one. Yeah, definitely. And I, and that's just humans, right? It's not like, it's just humans deciding that's the standard. It's right. not like some mechanical thing. Yeah. So that's how you knew it was cultural. It was just, can you make that level of standard of service the norm? Mm-hmm. And that's why Boba Guys, um, as I mentioned, was really trying to fight some of the stigma that people would think that Boba Shops had really crappy customer service, nobody cleaned anything. Um, you couldn't see what was going on. So we basically did wow. everything the opposite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we did that, we really thought, again, how do we still inject small little cues of culture in there? Because we can't forget who we are. Mm-hmm. For example, we have this thing called um, a Sunny Hills Pineapple Cakes. Mm-hmm. If you're Taiwanese, um, I know you guys are Vietnamese, um, but it's like going to Vietnam and whatever the signature thing is like in San Francisco, maybe it's Ghirardelli chocolate, mm-hmm. but in Taiwan, it's Sunny Hills pineapple cakes. So we started importing that over. And to be honest, that makes no money. Um, it yeah. comes here cause you have to air freight it cause it's such a short shelf life. But we did it because we were trying to teach Americans what pineapple cakes were. Cause it's a symbol of friendship that and pi- uh, pineapple cakes and pineapples are a symbol of friendship in Taiwan, mm-hmm. things like that. We explain and we train our team cause we have a very diverse team. So a lot of our employees, if they're Hispanic, they're going to be like, how did you know that so much about pineapple? And they're going to say, well, in college, I worked at a boba shop called Boba Guys, and I learned a lot about culture through them. Yeah. And vice versa, we have a lot of Asian Americans who know nothing about Latin culture or yeah. other cultures. And they're learning what a base of an uh, agua fresca, which is like fresh water, like fruit mm-hmm. teas. We do tea frescas here. Or um, uh, chocolate, which is a um, uh, think of it as a drinking chocolate for Mexico. So those small things, it goes both ways. When you do that, we knew it was just gonna be our style. And then as a business person, I'll tell you, we knew nobody could really. It was gonna be harder to pull off. You couldn't clone it, which is why after nine years, you would think we're essentially an Asian American style business. Yeah. You would think we'd be fully cloned by now. No one has. Yeah. It could figure us out. And so, um, because what we do is not our product, it's, it's our culture. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. It's, it's, it's good because, you know, as you mentioned before, you're really into culture. You're really into like icons and all that stuff. And you, this is Andrew Chow infusing Andrew Chow's, you know, interests and hobbies and whatever into your, your business. So in a way that makes your business very unclonable. There's only one Andrew Chow. We're talking to him right now, you know? And that's, that's the same way where I feel like that's, that's sort of the, the I, don't, I guess the, 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 the roadblock for most entrepreneurs, especially that we see in Asian Hustle Network. We see posts like, hey, what are you guys' business ideas? And I, we see comments like, hey, I don't want to share my idea because you guys might steal it. Yeah, oh my gosh. I, you see those too, right? I, I want to go off, but yeah, I don't want to say anything. Yeah, and we see that. And we know the fact that 
your creativity can't be duplicated. We mm -hmm. see a lot of people actually copy, copy Asian Hustle Network groups on Facebook that have not blown up yet. They use the same color as us, the same font, the same icon, same, yep. same yep. rules. <laughs> yep, I've seen it. Yep. Yeah. But at the same time, we understand that only, only you can shape your vision the way you want it to be. You know, only you can infuse your personality and your own personal values too. Because luckily for us, we're so inspired by, you know, as you mentioned before, Japanese culture, that we believe that, you know, hospitality, it goes multiple ways. It can go in the restaurant business, you know, it can also go in online communities. Like our hospital, our, our first priority always in Asian Hustle Network is to make sure that everyone's wealth is treated with respect. You know, we want to make sure everyone's there, that they can feel vulnerable and feel passionate and feel like they can share their story. And that's just, just that is just an extension of who we are as, as people. We like mm -hmm. listening to people's story. The fact that you're on this podcast, we're, we're giggling about it for the past two weeks. Ever since we got you to, to agree to come to the podcast, we were giggling. You know, we did a lot of research to make sure that we wanted to put you in, in, in a position in our podcast where we can definitely show the world who is Andrew Chow, you know? Like, what is your pivot inside, inside your, your business? Because this is great lessons learned for people listening, you know? It's, it's, you can start with, with an idea, mm -hmm. but to take it to the next level, it requires a lot of you, your own mm -hmm. values, your own personality. It requires a lot of pivoting, too. You yep. think that, you know, starting Boba Shop, it might be a quick please. It might be, like, whatever Boba Shop out there. But, hey, 10 years later down the line, you guys are one of a kind, you know? Every time mm -hmm. we walk to a like, Boba Guys, we're like, wow, this is Boba Guys. This is awesome. We know we associate good quality, good service, and yep. unique, unique branding with Boba Guys. Yep. And this doesn't evolve from, from day one. It doesn't have to be from day one. You just have to do it. You have to take action and just have fun. Have fun along the way. That's the thing. Dude, you, you got a uh, great... You, you, you're basically going to be my, my, my first publicist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, just want to make sure you just have fun with that, you know? And I think, I think I keep coming back to, like, the side hustle thing, you know? Like, we're so interested in hearing more about that because mm -hmm. what was that feeling like when you're like, wow, this is a viable option. We're actually going to do it, Ben. We're going to go out there. We're going to start all these boba shops, and we're going to quit our jobs. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know, a lot of people in the group dream about quitting their jobs. Yeah. It's scary, man. <laughs> That's a great question. And I, I think uh, not enough people ask kind of like what goes into someone's head when that happens. It's yeah. because just like you guys are in real estate or in corporate in a more structured environment, to, to leave, leave it is really hard. You know, a lot of people think entrepreneurs are the ones who are like, well, they can't work for anybody. That's why they got to become mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. I think that's the case for a lot of people, which I think that's where I do think half the entrepreneur populations are because they can't, they just don't have a certain personality that um, in my cases, I think they're not gritty or they ultimately care about their thing too much because I think most people do need to spend some time in a system just to understand how to have structure because when they grow and create their own, they're going to wonder why they run things so poorly. And the ones that run it better are generally people who come from a more structured background. I just believe this. And I'm a, an example. I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't come from companies, even though I hated some of my time there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, so bureaucratic. As I have my company bigger, I remember what it was like. And I think I don't want to make the same mistake. So I think mm -hmm. you need to have that. But I think uh, the other piece, though, is Ben and I, the other half, I think like you guys are – we do it because we, we, it was a pet project that came out of love and then it became a thing. It's usually the best things in life blossom yeah. that way, right? Like it's love. Yeah. yeah. It's like you didn't go intentionally to find somebody. Sometimes you just meet somebody on a street corner and you, they, you fall in love forever. And I think the same way happens in business. The good businesses really have that. And then at that point, are you ready, in this case, in love, to be married, to fully commit. Right. You have to be happy. You can't like fully get into that, that mind space if you weren't ready before you met the person. Right. You can't like develop that along the way. You have to have the core ready to be yeah, exactly. ready to be long-term commitment. Some people aren't ready. In the business, it's the same thing. Some people aren't ready to kind of make that leap. Mm. So how do we know we were ready? A lot of it had to do with the fact that 
I had a lot of great people around me. And I'm sure you, we've talked about this offline. The, the strongest leaders and people who are like hustlers, they have a really good network and ecosystem around them. Right. You have people who fan their flame, who understand them and say what they're doing right or wrong. And we were the, we had some people basically say, Andrew, you're sitting on an idea that probably can be the next blue bottle. At the time, that's what somebody said, the next blue bottle. And I was like, no, no, I had two stories. I was like, no, 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 no. But I was tired. And they were like, Andrew, you're going to, oh, you're going to, or you're going to burn out. Yeah. And then, and, and he was like, you have to go do it. And then I had a couple, like my big bros. One of them, you probably um, might know who I got into my ear early was Hanson Lee from Salt Partners. Oh yeah, Hanson yeah. Lee. Hanson was one of those guys because I knew his sister. And mm -hmm. so basically certain people helped me kind of like process, does it scale? And yeah. so I asked my wife, give me two years to, to see if I could scale it. And if it could scale, then I might just make this my career. Mm -hmm. Sadly, I was on the fast track to become like a CMO of like a big um, – CPG company because that was my true background. Yeah. But it, I told my wife, I, you know, I'm 37 now. I probably would might, might be a, a, a VP or a CMO of, of almost any CPG company because mm. of just what my style of, of leadership was. And so sadly I knew that I was going to be throwing it away. And my Asian in me was like, don't waste anything. Right. So yeah. don't waste your career. You studied this long. Yeah. Why yeah. give it up? It's like friends who be, who went to med school and a decade ago, nobody would go to med school and drop out. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that have gone to med school and law school and drop out. It's yeah. a different mindset now. And a lot of it, I do think has to do with the fact that more and more of our parents and more and more of the social norm in Asian culture mm -hmm. is you got one life to live. Don't waste it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know you'll be miserable. And there's enough people who would look miserable yeah. and have career transitions later on in life that the younger youth, the youth is like, I don't want that for me. Yeah. I know if I know this isn't for me, I'm going to do something I like. Yeah. I'm going to become an actor. Mm. I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I'm going to start a real estate business. Yeah. I'm going to get into food business. There's, that is a, a trigger. And I can't explain it other than saying it's like falling in love. You know when you're ready to get married, you know when you're ready to commit, and you know when you're ready to just make the leap. That's the only way you think about it. And it, it's very intuitive. If there's all these like other things that are like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I, that's like saying love. It's like, well, you're asking every one of your friends, should I marry this person? Should I marry? You ask like 15 people and you're not getting one answer. You don't get married. Yeah, exactly. You're, it's not, your mind's not right. Yeah, so. exactly. I think that resonates a lot with a lot of our members in AHN as well. Because, and Maggie too. Yeah, and myself as well. <laughs> you know, I think like growing up in an Asian household, a lot of our parents, you know, told us we have to become doctors, we have to become lawyers, we have to become, you know, or something in the financial field, you know, and that's very, very common in an Asian household because a lot of our parents came from times of war and they immigrated here with nothing on their shoulders, nothing on their backs. And all they know is to be in a company or, you know, have a safe job, you know, work in a corporation until the day that you retire so that you don't put any risk in your lives, you know. And what we really want to cultivate in AHN is that you don't have to be afraid of entrepreneurship. You know, we are living in a different generation now. We are living in a different era. So we can all support each other. You know, we have so many resources, you know, not just in AHM, but in the Asian community, in all communities in general, you know, and I think that's really important that you talk about that because a lot of us still have like that scarcity mindset like Brian was talking about. And in order to overcome that is to be open with our voices, open with, you know, our businesses um, and not seeing that as like a taboo kind of thing, you know. Yeah, the biggest moral of the story is do what makes you happy. Exactly. Don't feel like you're wasting yeah. your degree or whatever. Exactly. Because I, <laughs> I was an engineering, uh, engineering degree. I have a master's in, in computer science, okay. <laughs> when, when I decided to do it, I was like, oh, this hurts. <laughs> I remember we talked about this when we first met, yeah. 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 <laughs> and it, it's a great segue, too, because, you know, life is a, is a lifelong learning process, you know. Even with Boba Guys now, it doesn't stop at Boba Guys, you know? Yeah. And we see you pivot, Andrew. We see you yeah. do other things. You mentioned before, you have different part of your identities out there. That mm -hmm. is a part of who Andrew Chow is. 
you know, you're very active in government and all that, whatnot. And this is a great segue to talk about it too. Mm-hmm. Like, how does, how did you, how did you make this pivot? Like, you're like okay, we have mobile guys now. We're gonna, I want to get into this. I want to get into that. And that's what most people think is like, when you start your business, you're like stuck. You can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. You're stuck. But no, it opened us way more opportunities for you yeah. to do more things you're interested in and make you happy, you know? Yeah. And I want to add to that question. You know, a lot of people in AHN, they are so attached to their business because they spent so much heart and energy and passion into the business. And due to COVID-19, you know, a lot of them are at risk of closing. So I want to like tap into, you know, what your advice is to these small business owners in light of COVID-19. You know, a lot of people are just low on working capital, but they want to get started, you know, back in the gears, you know, get their businesses opened again. But then there's also that risk of, you know, being out in the open, whether it be health complications or just like the racism and xenophobia that you see, you know, and how, what your perspective is on that. Like, what can you tell these small business owners on like how they can pivot, but make sure that they are, that they feel safe at the same time? Yeah, both are great questions. I think, well, first, uh, I'm going to go reverse then. Starting with the racism and th- that kind of stuff, I think I think uh, what's going out, and you guys started that campaign, so you and our friend Tammy um, and Michelle, you, when you guys did the hashtag hate is a virus, that is an amazing campaign. Um, as I just said right before we jumped on, you know, the biggest thing is like, I, I see the other communities getting involved on that campaign, and that's what you need. I think in that case, you need allyship. Telling Asians don't be, don't be racist is, is not – going to be a great end goal you need to tell the allies of asians to be like hey you know don't be asian don't be racist to my asian friends and i think that is what we need to do and then on the flip side we need to do this for our african-american friends and hispanic friends who and muslim um and women and anybody who's marginalized we kind of have to remember to lead um that's number one i think that's happening so i don't so sadly I think it took COVID to unite everybody, but that's what happened. And I think we're seeing leaders take charge um, and we got to keep on speaking up. Yeah. Uh, that's hopefully a no brainer. Like now Asians generally were not really great at it, but now when we spoke up, look at what's in the media. So now, you know, and not, this is our parents' generation was much more about safety, much more about not being the nail that sticks out. Right. You know, but America it's squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah. In Asia, it's the nail that sticks out gets the hammer down. So we're in America, though. So in this environment, we've got to be the squeaky wheel. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening. So encouragement to everybody in AHN, you guys on Hate is a Virus, uh, Watch the Hate, all the different campaigns. Yeah. Love it. Now related to what can people do to get out of this, I think it really does depend on their situation. I think going to the question about politics, which is Brian's question, which is really great. Mm-hmm. it's about going back to what do you think you're good at and what do you think is your core mm-hmm. so when i got into politics i knew my core i knew boba but i didn't know the, how to make boba mm-hmm. i knew the culture of it because i was asian i grew up with it mm-hmm. and i knew roughly where i wanted to take it but it was just a vision but you had to know who you were if everybody who knew me when i was young i was always that kid who was very flexible with my culture i was a my handle most people know is chel million that was since Middle school. That was my AOL screen name. Uh-huh. Uh, if you know what AIM AOL is. <laughs> Definitely. Um, it was because everybody said I was a jock. I was a really good athlete. So whether I played baseball or tennis, I was great. I was an Asian kid who played and I had a really good fastball. I could throw like 80 miles an hour. Like I was that jock. But I was also, and I was not scared of anybody, but I was also the nerd because I was also in all the AP classes. Mm-hmm. You couldn't pin me down. And I think to me, not everybody's that built that way. I get it. But for me, my identity then became, you can't pin me down. You can't label me correctly, mm-hmm. which became Chalmillion, which then became, oh, you're not just a Boba guy. If, if the skill set to do Boba is leadership, mm-hmm. that's no different in politics. And I was getting annoyed enough of things that I was seeing in politics. And I, so I got into state politics first. So I knew the mayor, his name was uh, Ed Lee of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. He was an Asian American mayor. And um, a really great guy, really good guy. Uh, daughter was amazing, is amazing. Like, um, and I was helping them with small business stuff as Boba Guys was growing. And so I really thought, okay, well, if I can make a change, and we got a lot of things through, 
I think I could make change in other areas. And then over the last four or five years, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get too much into it. A lot of it had to do with Trump. I was so mad, but I don't like complaining. So I literally was like, I always say, you know, like, um, don't be the thermometer, be the thermostat. Like, don't be yes. what, don't let the, the environment dictate what temperature you boil at or, or hot or cold. You dial the environment up hot or cold. Right. And I am, you guys, sorry if you're listening for me for the first time. You're like, I didn't know the guy from Boba Guys is like, he's such a like type A. And I'm like, yeah, like I, I'm the eldest grandson and grandchild on both sides. Wow. An Asian family. I was born, whether it was conditional or nature, I wasn't, I was always like an alpha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, for better or worse, that's probably why I'm an entrepreneur because while I was in corporate for 10 years, I was gritting my teeth. I was like, man, you're an idiot. Like, let me, let me redo the strategy. But <laughs> I was Asian enough that I was very hum- like humble. I'd be like, oh, okay. You know, I was like, <laughs> authority. Professional. So, professional. Yeah, <laughs> But, you know, I wasn't, I don't think I was being a dick. So that's why I was just like, oh man, if and when I have my chance, I'm going to make the best of it. And here, here it is. So then going back to your question of what then can small businesses do just like we are, because we're no, we have to pivot. Yeah. How do you pivot? You got to pivot around what you think is your core competency, what makes you who you are. So Boba Guys' core competency, as I kind of long-windedly said, is about, for me, is about culture, leadership, and um, the ability to kind of like, um, adapt mm-hmm. culture, leadership, and the ability to adapt. Well, none of that has to do with Boba. So as long as it's kind of related to Boba, it will work. So leadership, well, we have to come out with a model that is different from most places. Cause people are going to wonder why the Boba guys shut down for so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and be, and then be outspoken and fight for, because we have clout fight for the people who cannot do not have a voice mm-hmm. leadership. That's leadership. And then pivot, I basically have all these big stores, but I can't use them the same way because you can't crowd in our stores anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of wrestle with the idea. And I, I want to say it's, I don't like the, the word humble too much because I think it's weird. Because people think humble is like modest. They misconstrue that with modesty. Modesty is like what Asian people do, which is right. modesty is thinking less of yourself. You're so great. No, 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 I'm not good. I'm not, that's like Asian. That's not great. Modesty is not great, I think. Humility is not thinking of yourself, right? It's just you, you and I are, are not part of the equation. If I thought of myself, I would care what people think more. If yeah. I thought of myself, I would care that the public thinks I'm weak because I fired or I let go of 400 people. Or they think Andrew is too preachy on the internet. If I cared and I think about myself too much, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be who I am. Yeah. So humility is actually what I like, but I don't like that word. It's just don't think of yourself. You do it for others. And I do think Asians are generally good at that, but I think we favor modesty, which I don't like. Right. If you're good at it, say you're good at it. In America, you got to say you're good at it. Right. Own that shit. Yeah. I'm good at culture and marketing, and I was always generally world-class. I went to business school, top of my class, always a good student. Then when I was in corporate, always one of the best leaders. Yeah. So that was empirical. I'm bad at a lot of things. I can't cook. Uh, I can't. I'm not really great at finance. But you're going to be honest about that. You know? Yeah, you've got to be honest. Yeah. So I think more Asians should be that. If you're good, say you're good and own it. Yeah. When you're a small business that's struggling, if the core of who you are is you're good at hospitality, but you are fine dining, I have a lot of people I've been talking to, they're like, no, but that's not what I'm trained to do. I'm like, no, you cook and you serve to change your model. I don't get why you have such a big deal about this. Yeah. You know? like, I'm changing my model. You think I don't want to tell people I want to customize their drinks and and – uh, I built these big stores, like Brian said. It was about the experience and stadium seating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In one month since the store opening in North Hollywood, I had to redo my entire model. Mm-hmm. I can't even look at a single store the same way. Yeah. But that's knowing that it's not about you. Because if it was about me, then I would have been like, oh, man, I had these great ideas. Mm-hmm. No, that's not what the market's going to call for because these rolling quarantines are going to happen. And mm-hmm. people just can't be congested in one physical space. It's not going to happen. They're not going to allow it. So you have to kind of like understand that's fundamentally what's going to change and then be okay with it. So if you're fine dining, that's what's going to happen. Let's say you're like a dry cleaner or a nail salon and your services are related to, um, to, uh, that type of customer service. Mm -hmm. Not everyone, but I have a couple friends that are in beauty. Instead of them coming to a nail salon 
they have a way to say that I've been tested or I have been whatever and proving to them that I've been healthy and they come to you and will still do beauty stuff yeah. or make beauty kits. No, I've seen that before. That is super because it's yeah. taking the core of who they are and then pivoting. Yeah. And I can tell you, I can name four or five friends who are doing that right now. Yeah. You're killing it. Yeah. That kind of mindset, that's a hustle mindset. It's whatever it takes. Yeah. That is what I think. That's why AHN I love so much is because, <laughs> you know, there are some people who are kind of like naysayers and like cynical and it's just, it kind of is a trap. But 80, 90% of the comments that I see are people who are like, I want to do this more or I got this great idea. And they're, they're very open hearted. They mm -hmm. don't care about themselves. Right. They, they, they know how to basically pay it forward. It's not, it's abundance mentality. It's not scarcity. Mm -hmm. I will say those are the people going to come out of COVID by far, like the fastest by far. Agreed. And a positive mindset goes a long way too. You have to think positively. You have to think your situation and adapt quickly. You know, mm -hmm. there's yeah. a lot of creativity out there. You know, why do you yeah. have to be so pessimistic and negative? You're stuck in one place. You won't move as fast enough. You won't see yeah. the opportunity in front of you. But there's always a good thing in every single bad situation. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how bad the situation is. There's always a good thing from it that you can learn. Character-wise, you know, or pivot in your business. There's always something to do and grow, and that's what we try to strive in the Asian Hustle Network. And we try to do that in a way where we're not openly transparent about it, but we we try to alternate alter people's mindset without them knowing it. And that's the best. That's that's our strategy that we're trying to do. Is that how can we help more people without them knowing that they're being helped? That is. First of all, people don't know this about you, both you guys, but Brian, especially when I first met you, you're one of the most optimistic, like growth people that I've ever known. Like, <laughs> like you really are like, dude, I was like, you're just, you have a wealth of, you just need to, sh hopefully more people can kind of like, um, get that from, from both you guys. But Brian, like when you, that's the way that he, Brian just talked is exactly how Brian is. If people don't get yeah, that is him. Yeah. Right. Maggie, yeah. Yeah. It's just like this motivated optimistic just ball of you know happiness oh, that's nothing ever gets me down <laughs> <laughs> but you have it tough too you know you're we were talking before this you're in real estate i mean that's hurt hurting right so like but you can't really tell or people like i brought back three out of 400 like it's not like i, I 397 people that i still like i'm are gone yeah like but you don't let it show up Right. Yeah. You process it differently. And I think that's what's amazing. And I think, um, yeah, you guys, yeah. Well, I was just going to say amen to that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but I, I think we can say the same thing about you. You know, I, we, we can tell that you are slowly opening up your business, businesses again. And I think that when that article came out about, you know, you letting go 400 people, a lot of small business owners were looking at Boba Guys for some sort of direction, you know, and because you were – you had the courage to put that out there, you know, and not a lot of small business owners can do that because of that. They were, you know, looking for guidance through you and Ben. And I think now that we are slowly starting to see like the light at the end of the tunnel, I believe that some sort of opportunity or positivity will emerge from this COVID-19 outbreak. Um, despite, you know, all of the tragedies that had happened, I believe that there will be opportunities if you look for it. And I think that's exactly what you and Ben are doing. So, um, you know, on behalf of like me and Brian, I think that's really encouraging and inspiring to see that you and Ben are pivoting. And, you know, going back to, we were listening to Lucia's podcast of Rock the Vote. And I know that you had mentioned you and Ben are pivoting and trying to do like a delivery, instant delivery and pickup for boba guys where, you know, people can go into boba guys and just get their boba, their milk tea in less than 10 seconds. And I think that's a really great pivot, but that also ties back to like the culture of boba guys. And, you know, you guys really cultivate on people um, building relationships and connecting with others inside the boba guys store. So, you know, my question is like, when can we expect to see that? And how do you think that's going to affect boba guys going forward? Yeah, great question. You guys, wow, you guys have like both the personal and the professional kind of uh, questions. Because <laughs> this is this is hot off the presses. I, when I was talking to uh, Lucy, I, I didn't know if it was going to work. So uh, right now we're are um, right after this interview, I'm literally going to go back down and make drinks for another six hours. Um, that's what Ben was doing when he was running back and forth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We, 
it's weird because as I said, like our core DNA was about changing and bridging cultures and changing kind of like the perception of what um, our category is. Mm-hmm. In a way we did that in the past, the tactic was we bring people in our stores. It felt different, looked different, smelled different. And now we lose that ability to do that when you don't come into a store. So we had to say, what is this? What is an, is there another way to convey bridging cultures and to storytell and to educate and to show high quality? Mm-hmm. So the way we did it was, I mean, I just, I haven't done it yet. So I haven't touched food, but I have to temperature check myself before I go down. So yeah. we, we're getting all these thermometers that we have. So temperature check just, it's not unique. They do this in Asia. We have those cards that yeah. they have in Asia. So I just made it, I think we're the first people in America to do it, but um, at scale. So we have these cards that we sign. Um, and anybody who basically touches food has to go uh, get temperature checked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As long as we weren't sick in the last 14 days, you know, the fever would break right away. So like, as long as we check every day, we shouldn't be able to, we'll catch most of the issues. Mm-hmm. And then gloves, PPE and all that. But fundamentally, we had to really say, are we okay with going to a delivery model, period? Yeah. And pickup model, knowing that our stores, beautiful stores built for the exact opposite of that. Yeah. That is crazy, heartbreaking, humbling, sad. Yeah, sorry. There's below me in certain parts of the store, I see these little like pieces of our architecture that nobody will ever really notice because they're not going to go that deep into our store. You know, like I'm like, was that wasted? The millwork wasted because I didn't, because of our store is built differently now. And I think, I do think though, you know, on the flip side, like Brian, like, I'd be like, well, I got in this particular store, I got five good years out of this store, you know? So to know that it's not going to be fully appreciated again, I can live with that. You know, five was good run. Five years, good running. Same with, I got nine, almost 10 years of Boba guys. Even if Boba guys does go under, you know, I've, I met you guys. I met so many great people through it. Mm-hmm. I think I'll probably be able to still get a job. Like it was a good run. Now, does it suck? Yes, but it was a good run. And I think that kind of mindset is how we think about delivery and all that. So when we open, we're basically, as we told the public, trying to say we're fundamentally changed. The sad part, which I don't even know if I told other podcasters, I think it's the first time, I'm pretty sure we're going to shut down our factory indefinitely. Like I can't figure out how to get out of it. We didn't get the PPP loan for it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a U.S. mobile company that we have in Hayward. So it's weird. And this is like, again, I don't want to use the word humbling. It's just embarrassing. If anything, it's like the Boba guys that made their own Boba now has to go back and make and use other people's Boba again. Like think about that sentence. Like for me, I had to live with that for the last month, knowing that I'm fighting to bring back our own factory. But because other Boba shops are, you know, all our supply chains ruined, like that's an actual casualty. I think about the people in the factory that I, I don't think they're going to come back. Mm-hmm. Definitely, unless it's re- recapitalized. So things like that is what we just – I'm trying to show this because everybody thinks, oh, Boba Guys is big. They have it. You know, you pointed something out, and I do want to explicitly say it. And I, that's where I, I really love you guys. I really – you guys understand us so well because we've never talked about this. Mm-hmm. The reason why I went public was primarily for Asian people. Yeah. Mm-hmm we have a hard time showing vulnerability. You know, Americans can cry and it's all that stuff. Asians showing vulnerable makes you look kind of weak. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the stoicism that we, we have to put on. Mm-hmm. My friend did write that article, but when I, when he was interviewing me, my friend Grant, I went to college with him. He, he and I worked at the school paper together. He goes, you know, do you mind if I say this? Because if and I said, well, what would, what would be, why wouldn't I say any of this? He goes, if I, if we publish this, I might say something about you, lo- you losing because he asked me over and over, how many people did you fire or let go? Um, we let go and furloughed 400 mm-hmm. and we didn't fire anybody. Sorry. We, we let go. And I was like, just under 400. And he goes, that's a lot. And I said, that number is going to catch my editor's eye. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, what's wrong with that? And he goes, you don't, you're not embarrassed. I'm like, oh, and I didn't even occur to me. I was like, Oh, actually, hold on. And I thought about it for like five minutes while we're going through the interview. I said, huh, because I said, who's, uh, it's going to be on like front page of Chronicle, right? So I'm like, uh, shoot, 
if I even wanted an investor, might, they might now think I'm a weak leader. You know, if I wanted to get a loan, they might be like, why am I going to give you a loan? Because you let go of your whole team, whereas other people are still open. Right. So I thought about that. And I was like, crap. So for five minutes, and he was my friend. So I told him, hold on, make that off the record. Yeah. I was debating. And in real time, I actually, because I didn't think about it, had to decide whether or not we we're going to go live. Mm-hmm. And then at near the end of the interview, I said, Grant, you know what? When we talked about the whole thing, do it. Mm-hmm. And I, here's what I said. I said, in, this, in these times, I, I was, you know, not to throw shade, but like the, the president at the time was doing the opposite. You know, POTUS was basically faking that he had all the invincible authority and everybody was crapping on him and he was making really poor and poor decisions. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to go the opposite. I have to show that despite me supposedly being a good leader, I have to show exactly where I'm weak. That way, either if people want to help, they can help. And I think it will make other leaders show that it's okay to be vulnerable, especially Asian ones. Right. And so that actually like, was exactly why. Because I, after the interview, I called Ben. I said, hey, heads up, heads up, heads up, Ben. I'm really sorry, but I just did an interview. And usually I'm pretty good at interviews or I don't say some things that I don't regret. But I said, heads up. I actually told him what we did. And I, I'm still on the fence, but I basically said yes. So if it's a no, you've got to let me know now. But we're going to basically look weak to the public. They're going to look vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And he goes, no, that's, that's, that's your thing, Andrew. Like you're about this vulnerability. And it's like, you, as long as you're okay, I'm okay. Yeah. And that's when I was like, all right, number one, I'm like, yeah, that's why you're my soulmate, my business soulmate. And number two, I was like, yeah, you're right. And he reminded me, that's who you are. Why change your DNA? Mm-hmm. So, sorry, I answered all three of those mini questions together. But mm-hmm. um, so I just encourage people on AHN to like be open-hearted, vulnerable, mm-hmm positive and uh abundance mentality and i think they're going to be set for this post-covid life mm-hmm. and that, yeah. that's powerful too just being so open and vulnerable you know i personally have trouble with that too it's i tend to be on the more optimistic side mm-hmm. it, it has its pros and cons obviously it sometimes i'm too positive or i forget like my negative all the bad stuff that's going on but you bring a very important point to be vulnerable because you know contrary to belief you actually think you, you are a stronger leader because you're so vulnerable and you're willing to tell us of your struggle and you know me putting my investor hat on i'm like yeah this is the type of guy that would tell me things go wrong in the future so i definitely want to invest in someone like you you know and it's crazy because as you try to hide more stuff you actually make you yourself look more bad <laughs> that's so true it is so true you know we've seen that in corporate we've seen that with people who don't suddenly your friends like bankrupt you're like, oh, what, what happened yeah. <laughs> you know? but at least at least now you're transparent you're open and people will appreciate that because we live in an age now where being authentic is super important you know people see right through you are you authentic are you trustworthy yeah, are you know. worth supporting yep if you put yourself in that position we want to support you we see who you are you're not scared to tell us the good and the bad and that's a sign of a very healthy relationship yeah. you know something healthy with your wife or you know your significant other your business partner but yeah it's healthy for other people as well and on a, on a closing note, you want to say that you know, we definitely appreciate you coming onto the show, especially our first podcast. You know, like you're super excited. We mentioned before, we were so giggly when you said yes. <laughs> Dude, it's an honor. You didn't not to be like you didn't tell me, but like I that's why I, that was a real reaction. I did not know I was your first one. I thought you had like record like four or five before. Me. <laughs> I I also love the reaction that you had. It's like a great opener. <laughs> we sort of did on purpose too because we knew like you're talking. About- be like yo we're so excited to be the first one so <laughs> we talk to we talk to each other like should we talk <laughs> definitely an honor man yeah <laughs> i really appreciate you being the show andrew and everything you told us like we're super excited to release this too and i want to say thank you for your time yeah thank you so much andrew i really liked all the points that you made you know especially your last one i think in the asian culture you know a lot of us try to save face but yeah that's part of our culture, you know, and it's very similar to like our parents being like very careful about what they tell their relatives. All relates to the Asian culture. And I think that in order for us to, you know, feel inspired and 
you know, seek inspiration. I think we really need to just be true to who we are and, you know, have a voice so that other people can have that same inspiration. And I think that's the only way that we can get through this situation, you know, just being honest and, mm -hmm. and showing that honesty with our community. It's very important. Definitely. So I just want to thank you for all of those really great points. We're here to support you along the way, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. And you guys are, uh, same goes likewise. Like, well, we, we got each other, especially because we, we, we know each other. Uh, out, we're both in the Bay Area. So um, really so proud of you guys. I know we haven't been able to talk in a lot in the last month, but mm -hmm. like, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. And if you're following AHN, like, uh, really, I mean, there's a lot of great communities out there. But the reason why um, I guys specifically, I didn't know I was going to be the first, but the reason why I, I generally, I was telling people, I don't do many podcasts. Um, yeah. uh, but the reason why I really like you guys is because the future you have 46,000 members and it'll be more by the time this comes out you guys are the future i'm getting i'm becoming a dinosaur it's these 20 year olds that are gonna like kind of out hustle me but i want them to do it then the right way so if there's any encouragement and it sounds slightly preachy it's not preachy it's protective because i hope you guys don't ruin the world that the older generation did currently so you know and if i had one chance to use a platform to tell future leaders to do it right please do it the right way. Mm -hmm. Listen to Brian and Maggie. <laughs> oh, thank you, Andrew. Power. <laughs> that means a lot. We All really right. appreciate you coming on to the show. I just wanted to ask, is there anything that Brian or, or I can do or our listeners can do to help you uh, going forward? Great question. I don't mean to be Asian and deflect, deflect this, but um, Boba Guys is going to be in an okay position in that we've actually got a lot of help recently. So um, all the friends who have helped us, whether it's a Nom Nom Bond or what we have, we're still selling that though, Nom Nom Bond or just um, people really are, we've been having, you know, really great days. We've been having historic highs actually recently That's when we awesome. reopened. Yeah. So um, the community has been taking care of us. One thing that we want to do is encourage people, the loans, people know I testified at Congress and I'm going to have to probably, I hope I might have to go back. Well, actually, I don't know because I don't want to fly, but if I have to go back, we really want to talk about small businesses and how the loans are not allocated. So the one thing I will say as a PSA is, if, especially in the Asian uh, hustle network where we speak different languages in immigrant communities, a lot of nonprofits are getting tapped out with resources, meaning there's a lot of private loans. So if there's another round of PPP loans or IDO loans or um, the Main Street Lending Program that's coming out with the Fed, there's a lot of these loans and grants that people have. The immigrant community, especially Asians, have language barriers. Yes. So if you speak or write Vietnamese or um, Chinese, Mandarin, Cantonese, um, Japanese, help your our community fill out those forms, submit the applications. Mm -hmm. They are having a huge problem. Right now, the data, everybody's saying, oh, the, the, the immigrant community and lower income did not get the PPP loans. Yes, partly because they have a hard time connecting with the banks and filling them out. Because who, the immigrant community isn't doing that naturally. Yeah. Knowing that HN has a lot of people who speak multiple languages, please volunteer and help those places. If you're in San Francisco, there's a great organization called Asian Inc. that I'm going to be on the board of. They're mm -hmm. great. Um, in Phoenix, Arizona, Excel, there's a lot of chambers of commerce that do this. There's a lot of them. We just need our community to get plugged in. So that's my one PSA. Awesome. We'll awesome. make sure to include that in the show notes yeah. as well. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Thanks so much, Andrew. Thank you so much. It was an honor. Appreciate it, buddy. Cool, right. guys. Thanks. Take care. Stay safe. Thank you. Hey, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.